Hey guys, we're back at it, episode 47. This is Of Stone and Clay with Taylor Church. Um, I've been away for a minute. I bought a new car. Um, my old car got basically pancreatic cancer. Um, and it was terminal. So got a new car, got a little Subi, um, a little Subaru Legacy. It's cool because it's a 2017, which, as you know, is not that new because it's 2022, but it's the newest car I've ever had by like six years. So it feels like I'm riding around in a, in a Maserati or a McLaren. So that's good for me. And when people hear that I got a Subaru, I think they see my long hair and assume that it's more of a, a little bit more of a granola-like Subaru. Like, like there'd be way more camping in it, and there's just not. But I, d- I actually did go camping for the first time in years the other day, and I went helicopter camping. And... Listen, when somebody invites you to go helicopter camping, even if you don't own a tent or a sleeping bag or you don't like sleeping on the ground, you just go. And that's what I did, and it was one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. We, it was just me and two buddies, the one buddy being the helicopter pilot and owner of the helicopter, and we flew out into the middle of the desert and landed on a cliff and camped there. And it was the coolest thing I've ever done. That's hyperbole. It's up there. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, and I'd never ridden in a helicopter, so the novelty of that was great. Anyway, um, one of the main reasons I haven't been podcasting lately is because I podcast out of my basement And for the past probably three or four months, I have had one or two people crashing in my basement that don't have a place to live. Um, So I've been running, you know, a very cheap Airbnb where I charge nothing and get nothing in return. But, um, you know, they've been buddies of mine, kind of needed a place between one place and another. So it's all good. I love the guys, um, but yeah, it's hard to podcast when there's people sleeping on the ground. That's just how it is. It's rude to podcast while people are sleeping on the ground right by you. Call me old-fashioned. This is, is what I believe in. Um, today, I'm going to answer some questions from some listeners. Um, I'm actually going to go back into the archives and answer some questions that one of my guests had had sent me for our podcast. There were questions that she wanted to talk, to talk about and ask me, but we got so wrapped up in our conversation, we never got to them. And I was like, oh, well, we can save it for like a part two, um, but I want to talk about them now. And she's a dear friend, so... I'm sure we'll do a part two eventually down the road, but I think we'll have even more insightful questions by then. So we'll get to those in a minute, but first, um, you know, before I, before I answer these questions, I wanted to talk about 
media and art and inspiration. Because this week has been, I've just been filled with good art. Um, two of my favorite artists of all time released new albums, The 1975 and Taylor Swift. Um, not very similar artists, but... Um, and both albums have just overtaken me. They've been wonderful. And my art, my writing especially, has, I guess my podcasting too, has taken a back seat lately. Um, to what? I don't even know. Like, um, gosh, I hope I don't say something terribly cliche and gross here. Like, like I've been just taking care of myself or just what, you know, trying to, trying to work on me. Um, but yeah, I kind of broke my toe. And so I kind of took a step back from spike ball for a minute, which was hard. Um, and really all physical activities besides working out, you know, I could, I could lift weights. I could maybe golf if I avoid putting weight on that toe, um, but couldn't really play basketball or spike ball, my two main physical passions. And so that was hard. I've been focusing on dating, trying to not die alone. Um, I don't know that I'm any closer than I was, but I actually feel for the first time in a long time, I feel a sense of hope for no apparent reason. <laughs> like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not any closer to being married, but, you know, the feeling, feelings of hopelessness, for me at least, they really, they really come and go. You know, I'm not in a perpetual state of hopelessness, but when things are bad or things go south or I get jilted or rejected, it's, it's easy for that hopelessness to seep into my, my soul even if it doesn't last for very long. Sometimes it's, it's just like a few hours. I just feel rudderless and like, yeah, just without hope. But lately I've been sort of imbued with this feeling of, of perpetual hope. And it's a good thing. Um, and it definitely comes from God. But... Anyways, I went way off track. I was just trying to say why I've kind of not been focusing on my art, which I'm not pleased about, but haven't been playing sports, been trying to focus on um, on dating and my relationships and my spirituality, and I've been going to the gym every day, which I haven't done for a long time. Um, I've been excellent at going to the gym for one to three days a week, but five seems infinitely harder. And it's mostly because I work out at night. And so if plans arrive, arise, um, I'll throw working out out the window. I don't care. Um, so I, I, I know I should work out in the morning. I know that's probably a better way to be productive and start my day off right and blah, 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 blah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe make my bed too. That, that'd be cool. But, um, I don't know. It's been, it's been working for me. And so 
I've just been in a good groove mentally. Um, seen my family a lot lately. Just been in a, in a good headspace, but I miss the art. And listening to these two albums, it's funny how, to me, how similar music is to books. Because they're both writing, right? They're both expressions of deep feelings, expressions of the heart. And to me, like an album is a lot of times like a little memoir, a little novel. And um, I mean, it's essentially a little book of poetry, if nothing else, depending on the style, you know, some, some songwriters are a little bit more narrative and tell more of a story and some are kind of more just poetic in nature. But, um, yeah, these two albums have really reconnected me back to that artistic place that I want to always stay in. Um, and, and it's hard because writing is inherently difficult, but it is very satisfying, even if the project's taken a while or I'm not getting published or I'm not having thousands and thousands and thousands of readers. The art in and of itself is gratifying, um, but it's easy to forget that. Just like all the easy thing, all the things that are easy to forget, right? It's easy to forget how good it feels to be selfless and how like rewarding it feels to work out. Like maybe you never want to work out, but you always feel good after working out, right? Writing can sometimes be like that. It's like in the process, the very act of writing, of typing, of thinking of sentences, of rearranging adjectives sometimes can be a bit odious, but after you're done, you always feel creatively fulfilled and your soul feels like it's expanding a little bit. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you enjoy the act as well. S same with working out, I think. But um, anyways, I got to get back into it. Um, also, shows and movies do that for me too. I just finished Better Call Saul, which surprisingly, I think, has shot up into my all-time series, you know, right up there with, you know, it's a different genre, but right up there with The Office and New Girl and Friends, um, This Is Us, The Chosen, Girls, um, that's capital G, Girls, Th those are probably my all-time favorite series, <clears throat> There's a few other that are really great that I would maybe throw up there, but sometimes there's series that are amazing, but they get canceled after a season or two. And for me, it's hard to put that in the all-time list just because it's not a full representation of like, a, I don't know, it's just different. It's like, it's almost like it doesn't count, but like Freaks and Geeks, that was canceled after one season. It was an amazing show. But, you know, what can you, you know, can you call a show an all-time show after 10 or 15 episodes? I don't know. It's a separate debate, I guess. But um, anyways, I do feel rejuvenated and imbued by this art that I've consumed lately. And um, 
And I hope that everyone is consuming art, whether it's, you know, shows or movies or poetry or novels or podcasts or YouTube videos. And I know it's easy to get bogged down in media and feel like all you're doing is scrolling TikTok and you're just wasting your time because there's plenty of garbage out there. But you should find the media that inspires you and edifies you and makes you think about things and makes you consider other people's lives in new ways. Um, that's redemptive art, and that's art that you should seek out. And and that stuff's on TikTok. It's on YouTube. It's on Instagram, right? But um, sometimes, sometimes we just have a hard time finding that stuff, and we end up just watching trash. So... Find the stuff you love and, uh, and consume that. Anyway, that's my um, soliloquy on art. Let's answer some questions. So somebody said <laughs> the, these first two questions have everything to do with what I was just talking about. But somebody said, please add more on your writing. I would love, um, I love that last little bit on the podcast talking about my writing. Um, yeah, I, I did just talk about it a little bit, but what can I add? I'll just add that writing for me, and I think it is for everyone who does it, and you don't need to do it as, as a career path or even as a craft, Right. But anyone that does it, I think, will find that it helps you sort out your thoughts. And that's true whether it's you're writing poetry or fiction or you're just journaling. Because um, your head is really a mess, <laughs> if you think about it. Even if you're one of the smartest people in the world or you're deeply organized, it doesn't matter. The inside of your head, your thoughts, is an absolute labyrinth of a mess. Um, and in the same way you work out your ideas and your thoughts by talking and conversing with people, it does so on an even different level when you're writing those things out. It, it tends to make you think like, it tends to show you what you actually think and, and kind of points you in the direction that you actually believe in. So it, it kind of... Not only is it like very cathartic, but it helps you kind of make sense of your life. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always been a huge advocate of journaling, but it doesn't need to be like, here's the misnomer. I think writing about your day, like today I got lunch with so-and-so and then I went to the park and walked my dog and then I went to Starbucks and then I came home and I read a little bit in Little Women, and then I watched a few episodes of X-Files, and then I had some corn on the cob, and then my mom called, like, just kind of listing out the things that occurred in your day. I think it's better than nothing, but I think you're way better off writing about your feelings, and, you know, you write about little experiences you had, like, oh, I went to lunch, so-and-so said this, and it made me think... You know, and then you dive into your thoughts. You dive into what makes you tick and what makes you love and what makes you cry. And um, that's how you discover stuff about yourself. So um, next question. 
Um, <laughs> this is just a punch in the face. How's the daily writing practice going? Is it structured or more freeform? Um, if you follow me on Instagram at TaylorChurch44, at the beginning of the year, I was like, you know what? I want to keep track of every, like the total amount of words I write this year. And so each week I would kind of tally them up at the end of the week and then make a post and just throw it on my story and say, oh, I wrote 6,000 words and here's a little snippet and it's going well or it was a bad week or whatever. And I did that the first four or five weeks and then I just stopped. Um, and I didn't stop writing altogether completely. Um, I just stopped doing that daily practice and I'm not proud of that. I wish I wanted to keep doing it. It just, um, yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't, the thing about writing is, cause people always ask like, what inspires you or, you know, um, the truth is I'm, I'm, li I'm always inspired but I'm not always motivated to sit down and do it because it is hard. So there's not a lack of things I want to write about or, you know, pe people talk about writer's block um, and, and it's, it's really not something I believe in. It's more... Sure, you get stuck sometimes and you need to walk away and, you know, come back the next day with fresh eyes. But, you know, being blocked for weeks or months at a time, I don't really believe in because if you go and sit down and try to write every day, the, the blockage will, will go away. Um, and I believe that's true with any creative endeavor. But, um, yeah, I, I need to get back into it in some capacity, um, maybe make a different similar goal for 2023. Um, as far as when I do that, is it structured or more freeform? Um, it's a little of both because I would just count anything that I wrote. So if I was working on my novel afterwards, I would, you know, look and see how many words I wrote, or if I was just journaling or, um, I have like a dream journal. Um, sometimes I write poetry, not super often, but sometimes. Um, so yeah, I would just kind of go work on something. And if I have nothing like in my head or I'm not ready to dive into my book that I'm working on, kind of the bigger projects, then I can always journal, right? I can always just go, okay, today's September fifth or whatever, um, let, you know, let's dive into it. And often I'll start with kind of listing, you know, the things that have happened today or this week or whatever. And then that kind of, when I don't really know what I want to write about, that often kind of elicits things itself. Um, next question. Let's see how much uh, are we doing here? We're doing great. Um, how do you protect your own energy um, and, and remember to? That's an interesting question. I don't really, I don't super use that specific nomenclature. 
Like I don't talk about my own energy, like my energy being off or needing to realign my energy or needing to fix my energy. Um, but, but I get the sentiment and I don't, I don't mind it. Um, I think another word you could use is attitude or disposition or, um, mood, (laughs) right? Feeling, I guess, I guess it's just a little vague for me, but I think my goal is to have, if we're going to use the word energy is to have kind of a tranquil energy about me and, um, how do I protect that though? That's interesting. Honestly, I don't, when I think about protecting my own, like I said, whether it's my mood, my feelings, my, my attitude, my, my surroundings, my energy, I don't really think about other people. I think about myself. I think this is what I need to do for me. And like, as far as like building a wall or something to protect myself from other people, I don't think about that. I think like, like, what's a good example? I just have very, very little patience for drama and like angry people in my life. And so like, here's a good example. I had a buddy call me tonight and honestly, he just needed somebody to vent to. And I've known him for years. So I, I got that. I got that energy from him. Um, but he was pretty much yelling in the phone, swearing a lot, saying some wild things. And I honestly don't love that energy. Like that's not how I communicate. Um, it doesn't feel like we can have a super great rational conversation that way, even though it wasn't, it wasn't targeted towards me, but he was, he was in a state, right? He was feeling it. Um, I guess to protect my energy, I just let him do his thing, right? Because I knew, again, I knew it wasn't aimed towards me. I knew it wasn't malicious and I knew he just needed an ear and that when he was kind of through, I could give my two cents in my own style. And, you know, that gets difficult if if that person wasn't a friend and, and I don't, you know, he doesn't know my energy and I don't know his. But, you know, so if a, a stranger called me and was coming at me like that, I just would probably hang up the phone <laughs> um, or calmly be like, wait, what is what's going on? What is, what is all this for? But, um, yeah, I think protecting your energy is about realizing what is acceptable to you and what isn't, you know, people talk a lot about boundaries, which again, is just not a term I like to use. Not that I have anything against it. I just, I think it's overused and, um, could be described as other things as well, but yeah, it's, it's deciding like, oh, for me, it's not okay 
to communicate this way. So I don't really care if somebody comes at me like that. I'm just going to tell them, you know, I'm done. I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> like, whatever it is, I'm not going to engage. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think it's good to just figure out what's okay for you and what what makes you happy. And, you know, another thing is if your energy is easily disrupted, then maybe there's things you need to do to make it less precarious, you know? Uh, maybe you need to do some more physical activity in the day and that will help relax you. Or maybe you need to um, find some sort of spiritual outlet or or do yoga or something, right? To find some chi. But uh, yeah, um, I like that question actually. Um, the next question is <laughs> the vaguest question I've ever heard. Not the vaguest, the vaguest. Um, it says, tell us the things that occupy your thoughts. Well, everything that's ever happened in my life, everything that will happen in my life, um, you know, those two things alone sure covers a lot. And then I think a lot about what other people have gone through or will go through or are going through. I just, I think about people and feelings a lot is what I'll say. I try, I don't know, I don't know how well I do at it. I don't know how well I come across, but it's always a goal of mine to be extremely empathetic Um, and at the very least sympathetic, right? And, you know, my dad is is an amazing example of that. My dad's um, had some bad luck in his life with, with health and with injuries and just random happenings caused by Murphy's Law or something. He's had some bad luck, but because of it, he has become, (laughs) granted, I didn't know him when he was young, um, so maybe he's always been this way, but he, to me, has become one of the most empathetic people in the world, and it's so beautiful, and it is so genuine, and I I try to emulate that. I try to think, (sighs) you know, I try to get outside of my own head. And I'm not always successful. I'm certainly not, but that's often on my mind. That often occupies my thoughts. Um, Okay, now we're going to dive into sweet Rachel Winters questions. Previously known as Rachel Duncan. She married uh, one of my best friends a little over a year ago. um, And she was on the podcast maybe five episodes ago, maybe ten. I could have just looked before I started this episode, but I didn't. Um, And again, she has some very sort of vague questions, but um, Rachel's one of the most earnest, genuine people I know, so... I actually take any question she has for me very serious, even if it is, could be open to a lot of different answers. 
Um, her first question is, what has brought you happiness in your life? Um, and here's the thing. It's not that these are bad questions. It's that I struggle with these questions that aren't hyper-specific because I'm like, oh, where do I go with this? Like, I start thinking of a million different angles. But um, what has brought happiness in your life? I guess I'll just go off of what kind of comes to my head first because the truth is there's a million little things that bring happiness to my life, right? There's a little video I saw the other day of Ricky Gervais and um, he said life is just, you know, he's like life is hard and it's tragic but along the way, there's these beautiful little surprises. And you're often just getting from one of those to the next. And in between, sometimes it's rough. But life always throws you beautiful little surprises. And I love that. Um, and I, I feel like that's what gives me happiness. You know, and sometimes that's seeing family. Sometimes that's a conversation with a friend till 2 a.m., you know, eating a big bag of jalapeno cheddos, <laughs> Cheetos. Um, for me, sports brings a lot of joy, whether it's watching or playing, um, connecting with people brings me a lot of joy. Um, feeling connected to a higher power brings me a lot of joy. Um, you know, creating, feeling like I'm putting something on this earth that will transcend my short life. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes happiness feels really difficult. It feels like, oh, why can't I just like hold on to this? Why is it so slippery? Like I get it. I get these beautiful little surprises, but then it's over and I'm unhappy again or... I'm just thinking about what's the next thing I can get to give me some dop dopaminergic release, right? Um, and that makes me that makes me sad. But um, I honestly think if your purpose in life is happiness, you're you're gonna be unhappy. I think you hope for happiness, you pray for it. But your purpose has to be um, fulfillment and, you know, things that sustain and fulfill your soul. And, you know, those sometimes those are big things like having kids, falling in love, um, maintaining a relationship helping people, um, I think that's the key to happiness is, is searching for purpose rather than searching for happiness because happiness surely will come and go regardless of what you do. You know, you can, you can follow self-help books to a T. You can see a therapist every day and still struggle to be happy. That's just kind of how life is. But um, 
I think striving for purpose and meaning in your life is, is way more important. Um, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. She says, what motivates you? Um, kind of the same, kind of the same answers, right? What motivates me is feeling like I have a purpose, feeling like my life has meaning. Um, anytime I start to slip into any sort of nihilistic thought, I immediately feel depressed. And so I try to avoid that at all costs and try to find and kind of ferret out meaning in everything I do. And it's hard, but, and sometimes it's maybe even like kind of silly on my part to f- try to find meaning in like rewatching The Office for the fifth time. But I try to think, well, this is great because I'll, then I'll know the show better. And then every time I talk to people that watch The Office, I'll be able to talk about it better and I'll be able to quote it better and I'll get a better appreciation for the actors and for the writing. And, and you know, maybe that's just my excuse to watch The Office, but... I try to find meaning in everything, and that's that's what motivates me. Um, what career or life advice would you give young people? Um, those are two very different things, right? Career advice, I'm not your classic, like, career guy, like, work a nine-to-five and climb the corporate ladder, um, even though I have a nine-to-five job now. Um, you know, in addition to my creative endeavors. But my career advice is to, you know, somehow somehow make enough money that you are not stressed out. Like people always say, you know, make enough to be comfortable. But it's like, what does comfortable mean? Does it Does it mean like you have really, really, really nice things, and so now you're comfortable? Does it mean you can buy pants every day if you want to? Does it mean you can buy exotic fruit at fancy grocery stores? You know, what does comfortable mean? Um, But to me, if you can make enough money to be pretty darn stress-free, financially speaking, um, you're doing pretty good, I think. And... Anything past that is is gravy, really. Um, and then after that, once you have that established, if you can find something that not only is is a passion of yours, but that gives you meaning in life, um, th- that's that's how you're gonna be. That's how you're gonna be happy. Um, the majority of your life, because the majority of your life is going to be spent working, you know, whether you like it or not. So, um, and, and maybe, you know, finding that passion just isn't as important to you and you'd rather be quote unquote more comfortable and you'd rather know exactly how much is going into your 401k each year. And, you know, maybe you like that, um, that stability and you like, that routine, um, even if your work feels kind of monotonous or boring, you, you find joy in that routine and that consistency. Um, 
I'm not so much like that, but there are people that are like that, and that's okay. Um, just find what gives you meaning and what doesn't drive you up the wall, basically. Um, life advice, that's just, that's, you know, what, what, what can you say? Um, my life advice for young people would be, oh, this is really hard. It's, it's almost not even worth saying because when you're younger, you can't hear it. <laughs> you, you'll, it won't register. You'll be like, oh yeah, no, that's a good point. But it just won't register until you get a little bit older, I think. Um, unless you're just wise beyond your years. So in case you're really wise, my simple, overly reductive advice is to try, 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 try to find a way to not care what people think. It's, it's really hard. But if you can get there, it's funny. When you look around at the most like confident and charismatic and charming people, the quote-unquote cool people, they usually don't really care. And there's um, that carelessness is kind of infectious and it kind of exudes in the form of confidence. Um, and so... You know, the, the people that are deeply insecure, even if they're, you know, very good looking and, you know, powerful and rich and successful, um, if, if, they're, if they're constantly worried about what everyone thinks, like, how rich of a life is that, you know? So... Um, and it's something we will all struggle with forever in some way or another. But if you can improve on that a little bit here and there as you get older, I think it'll just make for a better life, you know. And and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with wanting to dress well or be well-groomed or whatever, you know. Feeling attractive and and looking good does not necessarily equate to vanity, right? And vanity doesn't necessarily equate to um, caring too much about what other people think. Sometimes vanity is just narcissism, right? But um, yeah, just try to realize like life is so freaking short and to spend too much time considering like how your actions will be viewed um, is just, is just a waste of time, but easier said than done as is all advice. Um, okay. Most important thing you've learned from all your dating experience says sweet, beautiful Rachel that got married at 21 years old. Um, which of course she did because When you're that awesome and that attractive, you just don't last long. And if you do, it's a miracle or you get corrupted by the awful world and the awful men that are on this earth. Anyway, that's a whole nother uh, rant. But um, what have I learned from all my dating experience? 
<sighs> Again, this is kind of like the question of protecting your energy because to me, the things I learned in dating have really just been about myself. It's like, you know, I've learned what it is that makes me happy in a relationship. Um, I've realized what is just annoying versus what's a deal breaker. I've learned um, how to communicate things that are very difficult. Um, you know, you have enough DTRs and <laughs> you learn how to have uncomfortable conversations. And life is about uncomfortable conversations. And the better you are at them, the better off you'll be because, um, you know, the, they'll they'll come up quite frequently, but if you deal with them immediately and head on and you're used to it, they don't they don't feel so heinous. You know, they don't feel so awful to talk about because you have that muscle memory of saying, Okay, this is what I feel like. I know it's vulnerable to say this, but this is what I feel. You know, if you can get used to that, um, I think you can avoid a lot of arguments and a lot of heartache. So yeah, that's mostly what I've learned is um, a lot of my my love languages, you know, what makes me feel loved and how do I try to make others feel loved. Um, and that's really important to figure out. And I think a lot of relationships struggle because their love languages don't line up and they don't either they don't realize it or they're not willing to work on it because it's fine to have kind of um I won't I won't even say contradicting love languages but just different love languages but the trouble comes when you're not willing to kind of compromise or try to love someone in a way that you know you don't necessarily need to be loved in that way but they do, um, that's big. You know, if you can get there, that's big. Um, next question, what has helped you when you were, um, can't read my handwriting. Oh, what has helped you when you were, fa when you faced a serious trial? Um, I'll say two things. Again, my answer could, I could do a whole podcast on this answer, but the two things that have helped me the most when I've faced a trial, I would say, are friends. Um, I've been lucky to have friends that I feel like I can just talk to about anything, and I don't feel, I'm not one to even usually think about or care about feeling judged, but Sometimes you do anyway, you, you get judged anyways, and it's still, maybe it doesn't hurt that much to you, but it still doesn't feel good, right? It still doesn't feel validating. And so I have friends that are just unbelievably, you know, non-judgmental and, um, and have been there, have been through similar trials as me. And so having those in my foxhole, um, really make all the difference in the world when I'm going through something. Because a lot of times I don't really, I feel like I've got life figured out enough that I don't really need 
advice that often. A lot of times I need a sounding board or, you know, somebody to kind of work out some ideas and give me a little input here and there. But I usually don't need big life advice where I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Um, but when I'm going through stuff, I like to, I like to talk it out and like to have people that are, that are there for me. And, and I, I feel blessed that I pretty much always have. Um, the other thing is prayer. Um, and I'm, I'm not always, you know, I, I pray pretty much daily. There are days that I, I miss, but, um, it's those long intimate prayers that sometimes make all the difference in the world, you know. I, I try to always be grateful and, and give my thanks at night and, you know, go through those those motions. And I, I try to have it be very organic and very real. Um, I try to not have droit conversations with my God, but, but sometimes you do. Um but just the other day, I had one of the best prayers I've ever had in my life. And maybe it's it's weird to, you know, try to compare prayers, right? But I was just driving in my car. Um, I was listening to some music, and I just felt like I needed to commune with God. And so I started praying out loud. And I don't do that a ton, but I always... I always really enjoy it and feel good about it, and, and it feels like more of a conversation. Um, sometimes when you're praying, even when you have an extreme amount of faith, sometimes it feels like I'm just praying to something up there. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm talking to myself almost. Um, and I don't think, I don't think that's wrong to feel like that sometimes. Um, but when you pray out loud and you really have some time to be quiet and listen and you're unencumbered by your phone and by other people possibly walking downstairs or knocking on your door, um, it can be really enriching. So yeah, I just had, you know, I won't go into the details, but I had just had an amazing, amazing conversation with God the other day. And the trial I was going through wasn't necessarily one of my great life's trials, just kind of the uh, vicissitudes of life, you know, um, just kind of going through it a little bit. And yeah, I I know I could do it without prayer, right? I don't want to say I, I couldn't do it. Um, but man, it would be, I'd be worse off. It'd be more difficult. It'd be more, you know, grinding my teeth and white knuckling it. Um, these are actually really great questions for a second when I was reading these I kind of thought well these are kind of basic cliche questions but they're actually really um, profound um, this next one and I don't mean to get hyper religious here because I know not everyone listening is of my faith and that's great and who cares um but, you know, I want to be able to talk about whatever I'm feeling, and it doesn't, I hope it's not ever taken as, like, me preaching or trying to proliferate my own beliefs. Um, it's just me 
you know, telling telling the world what has worked for me and what, what sort of peace I've found. And, um, and hopefully when people listen and they're like, well, okay, whatever, I'm not like, I'm not Mormon, like we don't do things that way. Like hopefully you can still relate just as a Christian or you can still relate as somebody that is, you know, even agnostic and is trying to grapple with a higher power, trying to understand if there is one or um, maybe your higher power isn't identified as a god and that's okay too. But um, it's just, it's more of a nebulous, you know, omnipotent power that you don't understand and you're okay with that. Um, I still think you can kind of hear what I'm saying about kind of churchy, Christian-y topics and hopefully not be turned off. Um, so with that being said, the question is um, 90% of people your age, seemed a bit aggressive to mention my age like that, 90% of people your age um, who are single, <laughs> super aggressive again, and members of the church, meaning the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, are pretty inactive. So I'm going to read that again. 90% of people your age who are single and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are pretty inactive. Um, but you are so solid. How do you do it? Um, and this is coming from a very solid person herself, but um, it is a good question because I do find myself in an extreme minority, um, being my age, being single, and being an active member of the church. Um, my short answer, I think, is just sort of spiritual muscle memory, right? Um, you know, there are certain things that have gotten harder over the years to, uh, to do and to maintain. Um, but I think a lot of that's in my head. I don't think it is physiologically more difficult just because I'm older or I don't think it is biologically more difficult. Um, I just think the devil kind of grinds on you and kind of works on you. And uh, um, I don't know, loneliness is a big killer, man. Loneliness gets a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And it doesn't just cause people to be, you know, inactive in church, you know, because there are much worse things in this world, right, than to not be attending your church services. But, um, you know, I think loneliness and sadness and feeling destitute takes people down a lot of bad paths. And whether it's inactivity in a church or just inactivity in, in life, right, inactivity in something good and positive, I think a lot of people that are getting older and wish they had gotten married already or wish they had started a family already, um, you know, struggle with these feelings. And again, it's not, I don't even think this question needs to be about your church attendance or your church allegiance, whether it's my church or another church. I think it's about showing up for life and showing up for what you believe in and what you think is important. And, you know, I've had some people kind of razz me about stuff saying like, 
man, I can't believe you're still active or you're still in the church or you're still a virgin or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, you think I'm going to give up now? You think I'm going to sell the farm now? Like, you know, I've, I've already worked so hard and I've already like, it just doesn't make any sense to give up now. So that's how I do it. Not that I do it any better than anyone else, but um, but ultimately, I think I've been blessed with a certain amount of faith and resilience. Um, I haven't left my beliefs because I don't want to, and that's what I still believe in. That's the the long and short of it, right? That's why would I leave something I believe in? Even if it is hard, or even if there are things I disagree with, heaven forbid, or there's things I don't understand. Come on. Um, I think it's hypocritical to leave something you believe in. You know? Even if your actions don't line up with it, that's not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's different. Hypocrisy is not, you know, sinning while going to church or, you know, hiding your sins. Hypocrisy is preaching one thing and actively doing the other thing on purpose, right? Um, so yeah, I think it's hypocritical to willingly walk away from something you still earnestly believe in for whatever your reasons are, right? If you don't believe it anymore and you walk away, I don't think that's hypocritical at all. Um, if you still believe in something, even if you're ridiculed or it's hard or it's deeply lonely, um, that's where you should be. Um, yeah, that's all we have for today. I didn't think this would be a a spiritual episode, but it kind of was. Um, and that's okay. That's kind of what I've been feeling lately. I've been kind of feeling a lot of spiritual matters heavily. So this has been good and apropos. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate Rachel Winters and her lovely questions and the other listeners that provided some questions. And um, please, if you enjoyed the podcast, you know, go ahead and share it with a friend. Um, you know, maybe go review it. Maybe go leave it a, a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It'd mean the world to me. And uh, we'll see you soon.